Welcome, everybody, to Derek's Discussions, Episode 9. My guest here today is Miles, who is, you know, part of Marist College. And, you know, I go there. We both got our Marist, you know, merch on right now. And, you know, how is life for you, Miles? Right now, honestly, life's good. Life's exciting. We got uh, we got football camp coming up, you know, preseason camp coming up next week. So, you know, life's kind of just getting ready for camp, getting ready for a big season coming up. So, I mean, just working, grinding, excited for uh, what's what's going to come this year. And then what made you, like, want to go to Marist? So, honestly, what made me want to come to Marist is I felt like it was the best fit for me athletically and academically to succeed and kind of, like, not only take my – like football game to another level and keep improving, but also be able to find a good job after college and make good connections up here. Cause you know, we're only like an hour from the city. There's a lot of people that have graduated from Marist that you can get connections into a lot of different avenues. So I, I felt like not like that along with, as soon as I stepped on campus, I kind of was like, this is where I want to be kind of that gut feeling is kind of what led me to be like, you know, this is, this is the place I want to be for the next four years. Yeah. And what would you say your biggest motivation is like, what is your why? My why that's the hard one. I mean, no, everyone has that for me. It's just be able to be able to kind of pay back my family for everything that they've done for me. Cause I mean, I've kind of lived a blessed life. Don't really have a lot of complaints my life so I just want to be able to pay my parents back for all the blessings they've given me and be able to kind of like do the same things for my younger brothers that my parents did for me and kind of just help help my family out as much as I could you know and how did COVID impact you like because obviously you know college students it's kind of that area of you know is it like that situation where you're not, you know, having that full experience. And then also just like, it wasn't a good thing necessarily that happened just in general. So it's kind of weird. So athletically COVID actually helped me a lot. So in high school, I was, I played outside linebacker and now here I play D end. So it was a, it was a big transition because I never played defensive end in high school or any of that. I was, I mean, I'm still a little undersized, but I was very like underweight and stuff, you know? So I had that extra year kind of to learn a whole new position, learn like Maris whole playbook and like put on that weight and kind of just improve as a player. And it was kind of just like a free year of training without using up any eligibility and just a free year getting with the coaches, getting with the team, building chemistry. So, I mean, athletically for me, I feel like COVID was the best thing that could have happened because it helped me develop more as a player, which is something that's why I came to Marist to, to keep developing myself as a player because I felt like that was a good place for me to do it. And uh, like academically and socially, I would say probably the same route everyone else has felt. It uh, definitely wasn't fun, especially here at Marist. It's, you know, you probably know 
there was a there's a lot of lockdowns my freshman year because I was uh, my first COVID was during my freshman year and it was just we had like a lockdown every other week it was kind of absurd it was hard to meet people hard to like make friends and kind of go out get your mind off things because half the time I wanted to travel like not travel we could just keep us in our dorms you know we weren't even really allowed to go to the dining hall so I was kind of it was kind of just socially and academically it was rough but athletically I think it was the best thing that could have happened so yeah I mean when you speak to COVID you know I just had my first year of marriage so I didn't necessarily experience those things but like for me first year kind of COVID was personally I didn't feel like it was that bad at Marist like this year necessarily but I think it was in so the high school better. years it was a little rougher like this year was so much better compared to the year before like you you lost you lost your senior year right yeah of high school yeah so that was like up here that was my freshman year and it was just they would go out like I know the spring semester of my freshman year we went on lockdown for like a month and like I, I know I went home for like two months at that point and I was like I honestly didn't know if I was coming back to Marist at that point because it was just we were going on lockdown constantly it just things didn't really look that good so it was a lot of uncertainty around a lot of people during that whole uh, situation and now it looks like everything's kind of you know cleared up as we mentioned like this year was pretty good and what do you say is like the significance of sports like in your life like obviously being a college athlete you know playing division one football like football's not necessarily just a hobby for you you're obviously serious about it yeah I mean so sports in general I would say is the biggest part of my life and what makes me who I am because I mean honestly I've, I've been playing sports since far back as I can remember started I would say it started like most kids playing like rec soccer with their friends you know and started venturing off into other sports kept growing my love for other sports and just over time I've just developed a respect and love for like every like every sport kind of like this morning I woke up like at 9 a.m to watch an F1 race I was just like I feel like everything I do is kind of just like it brings me like peace and happiness just watching sports obviously brings you a lot of stress and stuff you know the team's not winning but I feel like it's just developed me who I am as a person watching sports and then playing sports has taught taught me a lot of life lessons like football has definitely taught like hard work perseverance definitely how to work as a team how to like take coaching so I, I would say it's a lot of good life skills have come from playing and watching sports throughout the years and then like obviously you know being a college athlete when you're watching, you know, a football game or just a game and a sports game, just in general, obviously your mindset is different. Talk to me a little bit of your mindset when watching, just like, like not a, not a team that you actually care about, just like a random game, like being a college athlete, knowing like more information than the quote unquote typical fan would like, what's your mindset during that situation? So, yeah, I'll just stick to football because that's obviously where I play. So mm -hmm. honestly, I'm, I'm kind of just dissecting the game the whole time I'm watching it. Like, I'm kind of watching what players are doing, trying to, like, steal moves. Like, I watched, I watched during the Super Bowl, 
like Aaron Donald, obviously he isn't the same position, but he's still a D lineman. I was watching Aaron Donald, watching Von Miller, just like seeing what they do, what I could translate into my game. And on top of that, also just like watching what the coaches, like play calls, like situational stuff. Cause like that kind of just builds your whole like football IQ. So then you're like, oh, it's like third and two. Like every every NFL team I've watched has run the ball here. I'm gonna guess it's a 99% chance that like the team we're playing right now is gonna run the ball right now. So mm-hmm. it just it, it kind of just helps build your knowledge because I'm I'm sitting there dissecting it the whole time. Definitely definitely makes it more fun because it, it feels like it feels like you're in the game basically. So you're just like plugged in the whole time, you know. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you know being at Marist Division One football, but it's FCS football. So like, what are you thinking? You know, obviously, you know, you're probably you got to be going into your junior year, correct? Yeah, I'm going to my junior year. Yeah, so you're not. I mean, you got time, but let's be honest, there's not much time. You know, clock's ticking. Like, yeah. what are your thoughts like after you know college of you know what is like what the future holds for you? Um, that's that's an ever changing question. That's an ever changing answer. I'm not gonna lie. It changes by the week for me. <laughs> But one thing that's never changed is I want to go as far as I can with football, whether it's the NFL, XFL, arena, CFL, you know, like I want to at least I owe it to myself to take that chance because, you know, well, I made it this far. I'm 20 years old. I've been playing football for I don't I don't know the math, probably at least 10 years at this point. So I think I owe it to myself to at least try to to play in a professional league and go as far as I can after college. I mean, that's that's why I chose to play college football. Honestly, it's because I want, it's my dream to play professional football in the NFL. And I owe it to myself, my family, a whole lot of other people to try that. So, I mean, that that's my plan A. And obviously you gotta have a plan B. And uh, I wanna go into like sports, uh, like a sports analyst type, something like it's weird. It's weird. A lot of people don't expect it. But I want to go. I want to work in like an NBA front office. A lot okay. of people expect like NFL because you know big football guy, but I, I'd I'd love to work in like an NBA front office, or something like a analyst like Stephen A. Smith, Brian Windhorst, like one of those type of guys. You know, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like playing A and B. And then obviously, you know with the goals of becoming more of an analyst in the basketball side of things, like, what do you, like, what is it about, like, is it more like professional, like professional, you know, sports are more, not necessarily more important, but that, you know, tweet your horn a little bit more than college or like, what's your mindset behind, you know, pro and college? I think it's very, it's very interesting. I mean, it, a lot of people have different opinions on it, but it's kind of just, for me, I enjoy watching, like, for, for basketball, I enjoy the NBA 10 times more than I do college basketball. But, like, obviously, you have March Madness, which I think is probably one of the most, ins- this was the best event in basketball, period. I think it's better than anything the NBA could put out there. So I, I think March Madness as a whole is better, but the NBA as a whole is better. It's kind of weird. And then football-wise, I don't know. I think 
I think college football is a lot more entertaining. But as a player, I enjoy watching the NFL more because you see guys that are a lot better and more polished. So it's more you could bring more things to improve yourself. But I think like just watching it as a fan aspect, like for fun, definitely college football. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you mentioned March Madness and this might be something that people might not agree on, but I'm going to say anyways, I think March Madness is the best, you know, event in sports. I can get behind that. I, I think that's a very good debate, honestly. So moving on a little bit, what would you say is the biggest impact like on your life? Like obviously, you know, football, like you mentioned, like you're trying to pursue football after, you know, Maris, but like, what's the biggest impact? What's like the what's the biggest impact on your life? Like person? So like, obviously, you know, you're a football player. So like football is a huge impact on your life, but I'm thinking more like universal. Like football could be the biggest impact on your life, but you know, there's other things outside of football that happen in your life. Yeah. Okay. So like, what is the biggest impact? Um, that's that's a deep. Uh, that's a that's a good one. I mean, I would, I want to just say that my parents. Honestly, I feel like that's a cop out answer, you know. But I feel like I feel like that has to be the answer. My parents have been with me every step of the way. They've kind of done to help me as much as they could. My dad's brought me kind of throughout the whole country that whole recruiting process, which is crazy in itself. And they've kind of just always shaped me to be who I am today. So I'd, I'd probably say my parents. That's mm-hmm. that's the that's a viable answer. Yeah, that's what most people say. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it's, that's what I'm saying. I feel like it's a cop-out answer, but, like, I, f- I feel like that's, that's what it is at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And then, like, obviously, you know, people – I'll ask this question, then I'll give you more insight. What is one thing you want people to know about you? I always ask, ask this question, not just because, you know, I don't necessarily know everybody. And, you know, there's people out there who don't necessarily know who you are. So, you know, what would you like to tell, you know, those people about Miles? Um, I mean, athletically, I think I'm always the hardest worker in the room. So I think take you put me on any team, I'm probably going to be the hardest worker on that team because I have a huge chip on my shoulder that I feel like I have to prove myself to everyone at all times. Cause I feel like I've just been doubted my whole life athletically. Like I, I literally, I always have flashbacks to like, even in middle school where I had like sub like a substitute teacher. They were like, Oh, you can't play in high school. Like you're, you're too small to play in high school, like high school football, like in high school, like I had teammates and stuff all the time that would like, talk being like oh there's there's no way like you're gonna play in college but even after I got offers to play in college they're like yeah it's only because your dad brings you in everywhere and it's because your dad and stuff you know and I'm like I'm always just trying to prove people wrong kind of Mm -hmm. and uh just me as a person I feel like I gotta I feel like I have a very infectious personality and I'm a great person to be around I feel like you know I could I could I could bring a good energy to people that I'm always around, you know, like I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm a good person to be around. So like, obviously, you know, you talk about, you know, being doubted, 
where do you like what do you want to say like obviously like they're doubting you not necessarily like for there's always a reason for doubt so like what what motivates you to prove the doubters wrong so this is actually something that my mindset's changed since i've come to marist so it's always been just I want to prove everyone wrong, just to throw it in their face and be like, yo, look at me, like, I did it. But since I've come here, I've actually gained so much support from not only teammates here, but just students and just people that I know here, that it's been to more of just, I don't want to let people down that believe in me now. Because I feel like up until, up until I got to college, besides my like closest friends, no one really believe, believed that I would be able to achieve what I've done today, at least, you know? And then I've come here and I feel like since you have people more on the same level here, people could see who's putting in that work, who could actually like do something, you know? And I feel like gaining support from kids here have just like changed my perspective and be like, you know what? I kind of, I don't want to prove, I don't want to uh, let all my supporters down now. Like I have more people that I have to play for now. So it's turned into more of a lighter, like, you know, I got to do this for everyone instead of just like an angry, like, you know, I got to do this to prove everyone wrong, to prove everyone wrong. Yeah. And I think part of that is, you know, Marist college is a D one school, but it's a small D one school. And like, I always think that our school is like approved, like prove the doubters wrong type of school where, you know, no one's expecting us to be, you know, anything like yeah. necessarily special. And, you know, St. Peter's from the Mac, you know, yeah. the quote from everybody is the Mac is the Mac is on the map. The Mac is back. Like all these different quotes. And, you know, it's just funny, you know, when that happens and everybody, you know, from my hometown's like, dude, like I'm just hyping up like Marist or just the Mac, just because like, why not? Like we got every, we got everything to lose. I mean, we got nothing to lose and everything to win. And you know, that's kind of the mindset, but like to our listeners who are out there, what would you say about like college life? Cause obviously, you know, the people here that listen to this, you know, they'll be in college, but there's also people out there that, you know, want to look back on their glory days of college. So like, what is, what is your college life like? being a college athlete at Marist College? I feel, I feel like I'm the wrong person to talk to about this one. I'm, I'm not the type of person. Don't, I don't like to go out and stuff a lot. So I'm kind of just like chill at, chill at the crib, you know, type of person. So, I mean, personally for me, like I said, my whole life revolves around football right now. So it's kind of just I'm, right now over the summer, I'm working, then going workouts, watching film, coming back to the house at the end of the day, playing some video games, watching some TV. During the school year, you know, it's kind of just doing my homework, practice, you know, chilling at the, watching film, chilling. It's kind of like the same thing, just replace work with homework. You know, weekends, you know, weekends are fun sometimes, you know, especially after wins, you know, come back, celebrate a little bit. It's always fun. But now I feel like college, college life, especially – especially since like this year compared to COVID year, so much better. COVID year was kind of just, no one really 
did anything. This year, it's kind of, you see people walking like on the street from like McDonald's back to Marist at like 3 a.m. It's just like, yeah. you know, they had a great night. It's always, it's always fun seeing everybody come home after like 3 a.m. But, oh, you know, lit. last question for part one right. of Derek's discussions for you. And now it seems like I lost it. Oh, I got it now. What would you say, you know, we talk about college life and like everything about, you know, marriage college and life in general, but like what, like, what would you say, you know, to someone who's, you know, a high school student or whatever, just to like promote Marist college? Okay. So it's like a family here. So it might not be what you're looking for, but if you're looking for a good community that you'll know a lot of people, it's like a tight knit family type community, then I would say like, this is the place for you. If you don't want to go to a big school where you're just going to be lost in the shuffle of everything, the teachers won't even know your name, like you feel like you're constantly alone, then I feel like if you don't want that, then I feel like Maris is the place because, you know, I, all my professors know who I am. Like, you got, you got small classes, like 20 people max or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, the campus isn't that big. You know, I feel like, like what, you went through your freshman year. You, do you feel like you know the whole campus by now? I feel like I do. I actually walked. There was a couple of days where I just walked, like, the entire campus. So, went up to, like, you know, Fulton and everything. And I walked it, like, the entire campus in probably, like, an hour and a half. Yeah, so I mean, the campus so, like is that's nothing. Yeah, so you go, you could always walk to like if you have friends on the other side, you can always walk there. I would say it's just a good, tight knit community. Obviously, campus is beautiful. Constantly, they're constantly trying to improve school and campus here. So I feel like it's a good place. A lot of connections here too, for depending depending on what you want to do with your life. If you want to do fashion, definitely come here. It seems like half the people here do fashion. So yeah. <laughs> Like it's a, if you're looking for something small, a good, good community where you can know people and teachers will know you and all that, good place. And I remembered the question I was gonna come up with. So like, what is it about you know the college? Like, cause everyone like in high school or whatever like has a brotherhood. They have their gr- group of friends or whatever. But like the college brotherhood is totally different and it's like kind of insane to see how close you can be with someone without you know really knowing you know their whole backstory so talk to me a little bit about that and then we'll kick it over to part two it's great i mean essentially it's because you live together that that's that's the simple answer high school you know you're together all the time you see each other in school all day but it's not the same because you know in college you, you guys literally live together like I right now I live with five other players on the team. Like I'm in, I'm in the house with five other players right now. So it's like we wake up, we cook breakfast together. Like we're together all day, go to practice together. So it's like it's basically like you guys are actual brothers because you're just all living together. Like freshman year, I lived with three other football guys in Midrise. So it's like I feel like you're just always around each other. You guys and the the, the the neat thing about it is everyone's sharing the same experience at first. That first like stretch of freshman year, I feel like everyone's homesick. Everyone's kind of just like, you know, looking out for like themselves, kind of seeing like what, what college is actually like. 
And it's kind of just that experience of going through that uncertainty together kind of is what makes you closer as friends. Like high school, you could easily go home and just ghost people for like a week or something. <laughs> Here, like at college, it's like, you can't do that, you know? Cause especially like you're living together. Like you can obviously ghost a certain person if you want to, but it's like, that's what makes you so much closer is you're constantly together all day and you're all growing up and learning how to live on your own together. Yeah. So that, and- that's kind of like the simple, like that's the difference. Yeah, and it's easy, you know, you talk, you don't necessarily, like, roommates are all, like, fun or whatever, but, like, you don't necessarily need to get along, and, you know, I think the one thing about, you know, freshman year is, at least for me, kind of social media, you know, coming up more and more often for these younger kids, you're not going to feel as uncertain as you were, I were, you know, later on, just because you're able to connect with people that go to the college already, and, you know, some of my closest friends, I kind of knew, not necessarily knew, but like kind of knew of before even coming. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I met like three kids on the team. Like the, the first day I committed, like I had three kids on the team that they're not here anymore, but like I was in contact with them my whole senior year of high school because they're like, yeah, he's, he's committed to Maris. They're like, let's reach out to him and create like that brotherhood, you know? So it was nice, especially coming in, knowing people, especially with COVID, that was ridiculous. You, we're together all day. So it's like, we're cooped up together. It's like kind of forced to like each other, you know? Yeah. So now moving over to part two, college football is going to be the first topic that we discuss here. And, you know, there's a lot going on. It's not just, you know the whole landscape it's NIL there's so much to discuss on college football but we'll make it easy for our viewers we'll try and go and discuss just let's do college landscape and what the future holds for you know our smaller colleges just because you know being both from Marist College you know with you might not think USC UCLA going to the Big Ten Texas and and Oklahoma going to the SEC. You might not think that it impacts Marist College, but it does. And, you know, that's something that's going to be huge that we'll discuss. Yeah, so just tell me, like, what you think the future holds for the smaller D1 schools. So I don't think it's going to, like, directly impact schools like Marist, like, FTS schools, like, smaller end ones. But I think it's the trickle down effect. That's what it's. Uh, that's what's gonna mess mess us up, impact us, whatever happens, you know. Because I feel like the NCAA is going down a weird road right now. NIL has kind of opened up a giant. I don't even know what to call it. Giant thing. door. Yeah, <laughs> giant door that is causing a lot of conference realignment. Just for, I would say just for money at this point because everyone's trying to get as much money as possible to essentially buy recruits. I'm like, that's essentially what it's probably going to be. Cause you know, you go to a school and they're like, I can get you this NIL deal if you, if you uh, commit here. So they're not buying them, but you know, essentially they are at the same time. So I feel like, I feel like essentially I've seen a lot where it's the big 10 is going to eventually own half of the power five schools. 
So I, I could feel I could see it eventually becoming just not a power five, but just Big Ten and SEC. And then schools are gonna have to start trickling down to the FCS. And I feel like I feel like in the long run, I don't really know what's happening because there's a lot of schools that have come are coming up to FCS too. So I feel like in the long run, it might have to turn into another subdivision at, at some point, honestly. Yeah, there's a lot of chaos, definitely. And, you know, one point I want to add is there's talk the Big Ten SEC make a power, you know, this, they say the NFL, they say it like as the NFL, like those two make the power conference and they move away from the NCAA so they don't have to, you know, kind of like what Live Golf did, kind of like what they're going to do with those two power conferences. I just want to add that before you continue. Yeah, I, I could see it becoming from that power five that it is right now to just a Big Ten versus SEC. And then everyone else having to figure – the NCAA having to figure it out and sort that whole mess. So, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily think they're going to demote teams. I don't, I don't know if that's possible off the top of my head, honestly. But I could see them maybe creating another subdivision – so less money goes to those smaller FCS schools. I don't really know. It's kind of just a wait and see process and hope that nothing bad happens out of it to us, you know? So it's kind of just, it's a very weird, weird situation that NIL has opened up that I didn't, I honestly didn't see this coming. I thought NIL would be a great thing, but it's kind of opened up. I, I still think it is, but it's opened up many doors that I didn't expect to see. Yeah, I don't necessarily think NIL is the entire problem necessarily. I think it's, you know, COVID happened. I think COVID was not a bad thing. I don't think it was a good thing, but that's beside the point. But at the end of the day, COVID, these schools lost money. And they're money hungry right now. And it seems like I blink and another school is looking for more money. And at the end of the day, right now, it comes down to Notre Dame with everything going on, if Notre Dame joins a conference, you're talking about it being completely different. 100%. Talking about a power thing. If Notre Dame stays, I'd, I'd, yeah, I don't know with realignment and everything. It's, it just seems yeah, chaotic. It's, it's crazy that everything kind of, everything's kind of on Notre Dame right now. If they, if they leave, if they go to the big 10, the big 10 is it's, it's going to be big 10 versus SEC. Oh, yeah. That's what happens. But if they stay, it's kind of how it is now with everything just in limbo. Before I move on, one thing I want to ask you is, so you obviously, Nareem goes to the Big Ten, you know, SEC, Big Ten, that type of thing. What do you see some of these schools doing? Like, okay, I got it now. So Texas and Oklahoma both go to the SEC. They haven't been, you know, too – they're not going to be that good necessarily in the SEC. So, like, obviously money is a huge importance, but, like, Besides that, do you see really a reason to go to the SEC when they're not necessarily going to be too, you know, hypothetically wise? I don't see them being too competitive. Conference prestige. That's it's you get better recruits, just simple. Because if you think about it, the Big 12 has always had this kind of stigma that, you know, there's no defense in the Big 12, it's just offensive shootout every single game in the big 12 you know there's i don't think there's as much money in the big 12 as there is in the sec 
I'm pretty sure the SEC, a lot more people that don't follow college football know of the SEC compared to Big 12. So I'd, I'd say it's definitely conference prestige. There's, everyone knows that that is like the conference to be in. So I would say like, if you get an offer, like I'm thinking just a high school recruit right now. If you get an offer from an SEC school compared to like, let's just say like, I don't know, ACC or something, it's probably look, you're going to look more upon that SEC school as that's a lot bigger of an offer and you have a lot more opportunity in that SEC opportunity, like offer, you know? Yeah, I think it also depends on, like, if you're comparing it from, you know, you're talking bottom of the SEC, like right now, I'd say not to crap on any school right now, but let's just say Vanderbilt was the offer. Let's say Bob Jones, okay? gets offered a scholarship to go to Vanderbilt. And let's say it's a Clemson. I still think it's Clemson that he'd go to necessarily because it's a higher level program. But the question would be, if you're talking about a middle tier team in the ACC compared to a bad team in the SEC, I think think he'd go to the SEC. The, The thing is, does this recruit care about winning? It's a good point. Yeah. But at the end of the day, it's also the SEC, you know? Yeah. Any, anything could happen, but, you know, it's always going to be Bama and Georgia at the end of the day, something like that. But it's like, it's like what you said. You get, like, an offer from Duke, who's, like, a mid- to low-tier ACC, and then you get an offer from Vanderbilt, who's, you know, bottom-tier SEC. It's probably that – that Vanderbilt offer is probably going to hold more value than the Duke would. Just, just football. What's that? All right. So, like, a little bit more, you know, both both of us are from Marist College, and, you know, the transfer portal doesn't really affect me just because I'm just a normal college student. But, obviously, you know, the transfer portal affects Marist College. Uh, not as – I wouldn't say it affects them as much necessarily in – football as it does basketball just based on the fact that you guys are an FCS for football but it still does affect you guys obviously the basketball team from both sides had I want to say basically their entire starting rotation I mean starting not yes well starting rotation uh starting five pretty much huh I think the basketball team like men's lost like nine or nine or ten kids yeah they lost like pretty much the entire roster and the women's team, I think lost like three or four as well. So obviously we we see the effects of the transfer portal when you're good in either the pioneer league or the Mac, most likely you are transferring out of the program to go better, but guess what? You're able to transfer into the program. If you're not getting enough playing time, you know, at the higher levels. So obviously being a Marist college, and wanting to become you, you know, in the NFL, how is the Pioneer League helping that, hurting it? Like, how is? Uh, yeah. So you know, Pioneer League, it's it's possible, obviously, to get to the NFL from Pioneer. There's guys that do it. Uh, tight end, one of the tight ends in the Saints, went to University of San Diego, which is in the Pioneer League. Uh, there's there's definitely more. I don't know all of them off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. So it, I mean, it's definitely possible. I mean, 
it's possible though any from anywhere to the NFL. But you know, at the same time, it's Pioneer League doesn't get a lot of exposure. Uh, I mean, I, I think the Pioneer League's a, there. It's a little weird. Like you know, most <laughs> most uh, most huh. most conferences, you know, have their patches on their jerseys and stuff. That's like the like we we don't have patches or stuff. That's like the first thing that stood out to me. We don't. I don't, we don't have instant replay. So, like, we can't, I don't think we can challenge calls and stuff like that. So, there's no targeting then? Yeah. No, there is. There is. But how can you do targeting without instant replay? They just do it. One of the kids on uh, Maris, one of our linebackers got ejected against St. Thomas for that. Oh, yeah. I remember it was a home game that he got ejected. But how does that, how does that, how does that happened at home too? I, don't I think remember. there was one that happened at home too. But how does that work without instant replay? Or I no clue. Yeah, you're asking the wrong person here. You gotta ask a ref about that one. But yeah, no, it's it's kind of just there's not as much much exposure for the Pioneer League. Not a lot of people know what the Pioneer League is. Because you know, <laughs> FCS is obviously smaller, but there's still conferences that are known. Like the CAA is, I want to say the most well-known conference in FCS. You're gonna get good exposure out of that. The Big South is probably is pretty well known. Uh, Mount, Mountain West uh, is pretty well known because North Dakota State, obviously. Uh, not Mountain West, Mountain Valley. My fault. Mountain Similar West was in the um was a big conference for FBS, but then kind of went downhill. It's Mountain Valley or something like that. It's somewhere uh, out then, in in the uh in the West Coast. Yeah, and then you have the Big Sky, which is Eastern Washington. Like those are con- those are four conferences that get good exposure. I mean, I could think of those four at the top of my head. So it's like you get those. I I just think you don't get the best exposure in the Pioneer League. I feel like the Mac. I don't know a lot about the Mac. You know, playing it. Mm-hmm. I think it's the same thing. I think less exposure in the Pioneer just because it's FCS compared to FBS. But, you know, one thing I want to talk about with the Pioneer League, the MAC is actually, you know, location-wise, correct. The Pioneer League, you travel to San Diego, St. Thomas. It's pretty much one of those conferences that I find kind of funny. I mean, with USC and UCLA going to – the Big Ten, it kind of reminds me of a Pioneer League situation because yeah. you guys fly out to California, Everybody. Minnesota. Let's be honest, there's not many teams. Florida, South, or, yeah. South, North Carolina, Indiana. Every, Pretty much every, no every no league. team, no team in the East 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 region, I should say, yeah. besides Marist College, is even in that conference. Yeah. Every away game is a plane ride. Well, I mean, that is – I want to say Pioneer League did it first. When, when you look at the Big Ten, what, what they're all doing, Pioneer League did it first with the teams, you know? I say, it, it is very cool and it is an amazing experience to be able to, like, we have a plane ride for every game. I think that is the coolest thing. It makes – Personally, for me, it makes it feel more legit, you know? We're taking planes every game, you know, it's cool. It's not like we're not on, like, a three-hour bus ride. Those buses suck. Those bus rides <laughs> are up. 
we have we're going to Bucknell. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a bus ride. That's going to be a far one too. That I know that that trip is going to suck. But plane rides, I think that's dope. Being able to see, because I personally I, I don't travel a lot. Like I've never really traveled a lot, so it's it's really cool to see all these new places that I would have never seen if I wasn't playing the Pioneer League. Like I I don't think I ever would have made my way to Minneapolis if I wasn't playing the Pioneer League. And that was one of the coolest experiences because I didn't expect it to be like a proper like city, you know? Because I was like, it's Minnesota, you know? But I, th I think that's one of the cool things about the Pioneer League. But at the same time, it's kind of just, it's kind of weird, you know? Like where are you getting all these teams from? And a lot of the time these teams in the Pioneer League are severely underfunded. As uh, one of the teams actually had to cut football, uh, I want to say three years ago, something like that, is Jacksonville wow. University. They cut their they cut their football team because they couldn't fund it anymore. And there's some teams in the Pioneer League, like Dayton, that don't have their own personal field. Like we they uh, they were playing at like a community field. Uh, that was just that I know of. Obviously, teams that don't have the nicest facilities. I won't call any teams out, you know. But uh, it, yeah, it's. I, I would say the Pioneer League is probably team. A lot of teams that are very underfunded to make a jump to a bigger conference. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting, though. You say like not necessarily a lot of money, but you know you got to think of it. The Pioneer League travel. Like when you compare it to most conferences, you're not traveling as much as you are in the Pioneer League. So, you know, you might say not to get a better conference, but I think some of these teams, like you mentioned, that, you know, don't have a lot of funding. I'm not sure the Pioneer League is the best fit for those teams just based on traveling everywhere. It's kind of chaos. But yeah, at, at the same time, they could be caught up in a, a situation where they can't, like, because they could be in a conference, a situation like we are. Well, I don't know exactly what's happening with us, but it could be like all their other sports teams are in a conference that don't have football. So it's kind of just like, yeah, they don't know what to do because, you know, the Mac, every other team for us is the Mac, but they don't have football. So, you know, we joined the Pioneer League. I think the Pioneer League is only football. So yeah, I think, it's, I only, just, it's only football. Yeah, so I think it's just a situation like that because I'm pretty sure most of the times – is if you're joining a new conference, all of your sports go to that conference. Because so I don't even know just, if the Pioneer League has basketball. I don't think it does. So, like, Dayton is another team that you mentioned. Like, they're, they're in the Pioneer they, League. They don't have – they ha they're in the A-10. The A-10 doesn't have football. Yeah. It's kind of like those teams that don't have football. But I want to say it's – I don't want to say it's as much of the teams are there because they're underfunded because – you could obviously take away those plane rides and that's a lot of money going back. Into yeah. I want to say it's teams that have every team, all their other teams in a different conference. And then when they jumped up to division one and then they don't want to leave that conference, they're like, you know what? We'll just stick our football team in the pioneer league. Yeah. I want to say that's more of what, like how that's formed. I would agree. But, like, you mentioned other teams don't necessarily have a football field. And, you know, that brings up the question, you know, Marist College, 
the football field. It's a football field, lacrosse field, soccer field, just pretty much almost anything. Uh, field hockey field, even if we have field hockey, who knows? Uh, I don't even have a field hockey team. We might have a club or intramural, but, you know, that is it is what it is. Club, club sports field. Yeah, it's pretty much like anything you can imagine on a field besides baseball and and softball. That's yeah. pretty much what the field is for. It's it's, uh, it's the Marist field. They use it for everything. So like ex- how like playing on that field, what is it like having all different lines, you know, not just the football lines, but having soccer lines, pretty much like all lines, boundaries, yeah. everything that you can imagine. What is it like just playing on what I would consider chaos? Um the lines, none of that really affects anything because, you know, they, they repaint it before the games and stuff. So, you know, before the games, they go over, paint, paint the field and stuff, make sure, like, you see the lines and stuff. The other lines aren't really in the way. So, I mean, when you're playing, you don't notice it at all. Our turf specifically, like, just the turf, isn't a bad turf. But having a field, like, you, you've been to Tenny, obviously. Just Tenny itself I'm not the biggest fan of, you know, I feel like you got, you got down by North end. You have that whole area that you could convert to a field too. I feel like you got behind McCann that there's space for a field. I feel like there's what they should have, what should be is like, you know, it should be Tenney stadium is that should be like the football. That should, that should be like a proper stadium. They don't need like 50,000 seats or something but I feel like that should be like a proper only games are played there so it's like they have to like you can have soccer play there too you can have every other sport play there I know but you obviously saying. you repaint it before proper game and then you should have like a field behind McCann or like a field by by North End down by that uh the parking lot down there that like okay one of those is the practice field where the teams practice and then the other is like, you know, the club sports, like club sports practices at those two fields, you know? Yeah. Obviously it costs a lot of money to do, but I feel, yeah, I feel like that would have been a lot better. And that's like my dream kind of for what it would, what I, I would do if I was running the school and had unlimited money, but yeah. it kind of makes, personally, I, I, I kind of feel a little, I don't know. I don't feel as big time, you know? seeing when we played our field you know it's kind of just like a bring you back to reality be like remember this is a very like your division one but this is a very small division one school still yeah and as you mentioned north like north end and that there's a softball field behind there but there's still room to you know grow or whatever but i think it's something that you got you athletes don't want to admit and personally i don't want to admit it either but i'm going to say it anyways is Marist College doesn't focus that much time, that much energy on the athletics department. And I think, you know, when you're talking about some of these lower conference and, you know, Marist College is, you know, not a lot of student body. So when you look at it from a general perspective, like most of the students are athletes when you have, you know, rowing and this, that, and the other thing. And they're trying to focus necessarily not on every single athlete, athlete, and trying to focus on the academics. I think that's kind yeah. of the major concern 
And I think that would be one reason why they wouldn't do your, you know, typical scenario. Yeah, I mean, biggest evidence of that is not only look at Tenny, but our track team doesn't have a track. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if you want to point at Maris not really having athletics as the main focus of their spending, you could just look at those two facts, you know? I'm not, I'm not going to say anything's wrong with what they're doing because, I mean, they're the ones running the school. It's yeah. their decision. But I'm just saying, like, that, that's the evidence if you want to point at that. Yeah, and I think part of that is a smaller school. They're focused on academics, and there's no reason not to focus on academics as a college. We're just pointing out, you know, some factors that, you know, not necessarily just, athletes yeah. would be proud of, but certain things in the school that, you know, aren't necessarily, you know, the finest quality, you know, compared to a college, like a Division One powerhouse. That's just the major you know, not necessarily a concern necessarily, but just kind of how these smaller schools necessarily operate. And yeah, and at the end of the day, it just comes down to who runs it. If you look at the school, like North Dakota State, like James Madison, they're not necessarily like, I'm sure the student bodies are bigger than ours. They're not yeah. necessarily big schools like Georgia and Clemson, but those are schools that the people involved there and the people that run the schools are athletics minded. So they are going to push athletics before anything else there because they're like, all right, this is what our school is. That's what we're going to throw all of our money into. Maris just so happens to be uh, the people running it are academics minded. So like, for example, the whole Dyson project, if they're putting all their money into Dyson right now, because they're thinking, you know what, let's keep improving our academics. If they were athletics, oriented they would be like all right forget Dyson we're throwing all that money that we I don't know how much money it is but we're throwing all that money into athletics building new stadiums track revamping everything you know so yeah I, I feel like at the end of the day it just comes down to who's the one running the school yeah but I think part of it is so. when you look at the North Dakota states of the world and the other college of the world that are more quote-unquote athletics minded I think there's certain things that go on the program, like winning and establishments of, you know, certain things like that and yeah. alumni that have won and have been successful yeah. afterwards. I think that's part of it as well. And, yeah, no. <clears throat> and I think that's the main, you know, thing com when you're comparing out kind of the two schools, but you know, moving on NBA, we'll talk basketball here. Not much is necessarily going on in the NBA world, but there's trades, that are that could be going down any second. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, just to name a few. You know, what are your thoughts on pretty much the NBA and then the trades that could happen? This has been one of the most exciting free agencies in a long time. I'm not like 100%. Not that a lot has gone down, but just potential how much trade packages are open. This, this is the most excited I've been in an NBA offseason in a while. So, like, I'm, I'm a Miami Heat fan. I'm originally from Miami. So, like, personally for me, I'm, Miami's linked to every, every superstar right now. And it's just, for me, this has been very exciting. I've been, you know, I've done research and put together trade packages I think could work. So, I'm just sitting here just like, this is all crazy, you know. I'm hoping, 
I'm hoping I get an alert on my phone during this that Donovan Mitchell was traded to Miami. You know, no. like I'm a Nick oh, guy. Yeah. I'm a Nick guy. I don't think Donovan Mitchell will work with the Knicks. I'm not gonna lie. I think we'll work. I just don't think the Knicks will win an NBA I don't championship. Think win. I, yeah, I don't think what you guys would give up for Mitchell would be worth it in the end. So, it depends on what I, the I'm Knicks. Hope- I think it depends on what the Knicks want to do. If they're just content with winning, I think like making the playoffs yeah. and being, you know, relevant like they haven't been in the past like five thousand years. Then you do it, yes. but if you want to win a national championship, I mean, uh, not a national championship, but an NBA title, well, then you, then yeah. then you got more pieces to fill than just Donald Mitchell. Yeah, no, nah, if, if that's what well I've said, because my two closest friends are both Knicks fans. <laughs> we have this debate all the time because me and my friends are all huge on the NBA. We talk about it all the time. Like I've told them, I was like. You know, if you guys are content with being kind of how the Pacers have been before they just started this rebuild, just, you know, the Pacers have always been just a consistent playoff team. Just, like, never, like, a real threat to make the finals, but always, like, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. Then I would say go ahead, trade for Donovan Mitchell, because you guys will definitely always be a playoff team. You'll be a playoff team with Donovan Mitchell, but I don't think you guys will pose a real threat to anyone for a chip, then I'd say, you know, go go get Mitchell. But I would say if if you got if the Knicks are like, we want to win a chip, this is our mindset, I would say mm-hmm. keep building the youth up and stick to a rebuild. Because I would say the Knicks have good young pieces right now. They just have to make smart decisions with their other older pieces and signings, you know. Yeah, I think I talked to the I talked about this on one of my episodes. I think if they trade Donovan Mitchell and let's say four or five years down the road, let's say year four of Donovan Mitchell, year five of Donovan Mitchell, I think you can see the Knicks as a contender because you're talking about Brunson in his prime, basically all of their players in their prime that are young. And I think yeah. then they have a chance, but I it, I think the NBA changes so frequently that you don't necessarily know for sure, but I think they have a chance to win an NBA title in the fourth or fifth year if they get Mitchell and they're not giving up, you know, R.J. Barrett. Yeah, in that deal. I, I think if they give up R.J. Barrett, that's the worst deal they could have. I think that might be worse than the Gobert deal if they have to give up Barrett for that. I don't but, even think the Jazz would want Barrett, to be honest with you, but... You don't think so? No, because they're, they're going to be in a complete rebuild and you're not going to pay... Yeah. Barrett. Yeah. The one guy, yeah. though, oh, so I might not want to trade is Quentin Grimes. Okay. Yeah, my, my boys are huge on Grimes. I love Grimes. That's true. Barrett, Barrett's up for an extension. They'd have to extend him. It's a good point. But like, like you were saying before, even four or five years down the line, I don't know if the Knicks would still have that in them. In them because, you know, obviously you said about Brunson. I don't think Brunson's an all-star tier player at the end he's of the just day. just below that. So I think he, yeah, I think he's a player that's always going to be on the cusp and he'll get like, oh, he was, uh, he should have been an all-star this year, but he wasn't like <laughs> voted into the all-star game. You know? I think that's the type of player he, he is. 
I think Barrett could very well be a consistent all-star. He could develop into a great player. But besides that, I mean, Randall's holding the team back. I don't think Mitchell Robinson, he's, he's a good starter, but I don't think he's anything special for the money you signed him for. I think Obi Toppin's a great piece, you know. I think he's good pieces. I just don't think it's chip, honestly. I think four and five years, like when everybody's in their prime, because I think Mitchell is a starting center, and I think the contract they gave him was fine because of, you know, everything with money. It's basically insane and how the cap is going to be. But, huh? Was it 15 annually? 15 per year for four. That's perfect. I, honestly, I would, I would be fine if Miami signed him for that. I think for a starting center, that's a great contract. Yeah, and I think um, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to what they give up yeah. and, number two, how these players develop. Because yeah. if R.J. Barrett does not develop into a number two option – then you're then, you then, were not it's not even a conversation because the question is is Donovan Mitchell a number one option and that's a question mark in itself and if you don't have yeah. a number two if RJ Barrett doesn't turn into a two you basically have a two and two threes and that's not even close to winning a title in NBA right now yeah I mean it depends what Thibodeau does too you know Thibodeau is not been nice to your young players. Uh-huh. I've heard that a lot, that Thibodeau has not been very nice to the younger players that need developing. So we'll, we'll see what happens. I'm hoping – I want I want to see the Knicks – I don't want to see him win, but I want to see him be better, you know. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping some players start to develop. We get some – something happen in New York. But, I think anybody that's an NBA fan wants the Knicks to be relevant. I don't think it, I don't think any yes. I don't think there's an NBA fan that doesn't want the Knicks to be relevant because you're talking about yes New York City, no. you're talking about Madison Square Garden. I understand fans love to see the Knicks suck. I get that, but I think if you're talking about a Garden rocking the atmosphere, even if they're an eight seed in the playoffs and get absolutely demolished by like fifty would, points, it would be insane. It would be rocking. It would probably be one of the best atmospheres in NBA history. Yeah. Yeah, yes and no, because when y'all were in the playoffs last year, two years ago, whatever, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. yes, the atmosphere was electric. New York City was rocking. I fear for what would actually happen if you guys were a proper good team, because that was what happened just as like that series when you, that you guys lost to the Hawks. Yep. And how wild New York City got was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. So like. I, I don't personally. I don't. Lo- I don't really like Knicks fans. I think a lot of Knicks fans are delusional, and <laughs> you know, you're not wrong. Yeah, they get very hype over little Nothing. things. Yeah, so that like personally, I don't really love Knicks fans, but I, I would like to see them at least be a relevant team and have some happiness to enjoy what I've been able to enjoy. Yeah, and I think. If Knicks fans like to do on your point, if the Knicks are relevant, I don't think you're talking about not as, as many as many delusional fans. Yeah, I feel like I feel like it's because you guys haven't Suck. been relevant. You guys haven't been relevant for the past like two decades. Oh, well, sorry. Besides that one stretch with Mellow, <laughs> you guys haven't been relevant for the past two decades. So it's like 
all the Knicks fans are kind of grasping at straws, just being like finding anything they could to find hope and like be excited for the season, you know? Yeah, and I don't think there's much to be hope, uh, too hopeful with the Knicks. Personally, but. I think this is the most hopeful you guys should be going into this season since Mel- since that Mellow saga. I think, see, this is this is a thing I would say. I think it depends on how everything plays out. Because right now I'm content with the Knicks roster, but I think I want to trade some of the big salaries, like uh, Julius Randle. Bro, I've been saying Randle should have been out of there since that playoff run. That year you guys made the playoff run, I said he should have been traded at the deadline that year. You're never going to get the value that he that he had at that point ever again. But quickly on Mitchell, and then we'll move on to Durant and Kyrie. But – if you're the Utah Jazz, to make the salary work, you have to take on someone. Who is that? I think it's Julius Randle. Who do I think the Knicks are want to give up? I think it's Julius Randle. Because if you're the Jazz, Julius Randle only has one or two years of contracts. And you saw what Julius Randle did when the Knicks were terrible. He was basically an all-star, pretty much looked like one of the greatest you know players to ever put on a Knicks uniform during that time. And... I think you could flip him at the deadline if you're the Jazz to add more picks. Yeah, I mean, I think they they could even just trade for him and buy him out at the end of the day. Like, Mm. there's definitely a lot that they could – there's a lot of avenues they could go down. But, no, I'd like to see Donovan Mitchell in Miami at the end of the day, continuing what Dwayne Wade left for him. And now we'll quickly go on the NFL. What are your hopes for the NFL season? Obviously, there's a lot going on just in general, but just what are your like? What are you expecting from this NFL season? I'm hoping it lives up to the hype. There is a lot of contenders this year, and I'm hoping it just lives up to the hype of that. You can't really sit back and be like, "All right, well, I guess we know who's going to the Super Bowl." Like, I want I want to be on the edge of my seat watching the playoffs, being like. I have no, there's no clear front runner. Like, obviously, right now, everyone's saying, oh, it's going to be the Bills and the Bucks. I don't really think it's, I don't really think those teams are that far ahead as everyone thinks. I think if every team that made those big splash, like that whole AFC West division, I think any team, most teams in there could easily win a Super Bowl. I would agree. So I think, I think the NFC West too. Three of those four teams could definitely win a Super Bowl. They live up to the hype and perform as expected. Sounds like the Seahawks. No, yeah, I said three out of the four. Teams. Okay, okay. Every team there but the Seahawks has the potential to. Mm-hmm. So uh, if the if the NFL season lives up to the to the hype that it should have this season, there's going to be a lot of heartbroken fans that have an amazing team that just missed the playoffs, and there's going to be an amazing playoffs this year. So that that's all I'm hoping for in the NFL. Okay. And, and for Jimmy G to finally be traded. <laughs> so this is what we'll do for NFL. We'll do Super Bowl picks and sleeper teams. So my Super Bowl pick, I said it on a previous episode, it's the Bills and Packers. My sleeper team was, I can't even remember anymore, so I'm going to probably switch it anyways. Okay. It's going to be uh, – I'll go Denver Broncos. I understand they're not much of a sleeper team, but I'm going to pick the Denver Broncos. I would say it's a good sleeper, at least in my eyes. 
And I'd say the, I'll say the Minnesota Vikings. I changed it because I don't think the Bears are going to be that good anymore. You had the Bears as your sleeper? Yeah. For what? To make a playoff run or to like. Yeah, win? no, just to make the playoffs. Okay. Well, yeah. let me pull, let me pull this up real, real quick. So I have a little. Yeah, you're good. So basically, what I'm going to ask for is Super Bowl pick and then yeah. uh, uh, your sleeper teams. Super Bowl picks. Honestly, I think the Rams are going back to the Super Bowl. I just don't Gosh. see why they don't. I'm a Niners fan, so I'm hoping they don't. Niners fan? Yeah, I hopped on when they were good and I stayed. So, wouldn't say I'm a bandwagon anymore. But I was there when their defense was filthy with Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman. Got you. I stayed with them. So, you know, I, I want to say I don't really know in the AFC. I don't think it's a South team. I want to see the Bills finally make that push. Let's go. Two, two years that they were just sitting on the cusp. I want to say I want to say it's the Bills versus the Rams, but I could see it easily being one of those West teams. Okay, so a rematch. Yeah, no, not a rematch. It was the Bengals last year. Okay, well, yeah. rematch meaning the. I think they. I think the Bills and the Rams play Week One. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah. I think so. I'm not sure. That'd, Don't quote that'd, me on that. That'd be fun to watch then. Sleeper teams, I'll pick one from each conference. Um, I want to say the Jets. The I Jets. See, I could see – I could very well see the Jets becoming the second team in the AFC East. I could just – I could see it happening. They, they're forming a good roster right now. You can't because I can't really say any team out of the West. They're all contenders. Mm-hmm. I hate every team in that South division. The North is kind of just I don't really like it. I, I want to say the Jets in the, in the AFC. That's NFC, interesting. The NFC. Oh, I hate that. I hate the East. I hate. I hate the East. I want to say. Panthers aren't good enough yet. They don't have an O-line. I'm sticking with the Niners. I'm saying the Niners are going to surprise people, win a Super Bowl. People don't think the Niners are going to win a Super Bowl, so I'm putting them as a sleeper to win the Super Bowl. Okay. I'm I'm putting the Jets as a sleeper to make a playoff run. That's fair. I don't know about the Jets necessarily because I think the Jets are a good pick. I think that's a good pick to have as as a sleeper, but I don't – I'm not sure they – you know, I I think they're going to surprise them. But I don't, I don't think they're going to be that good. I don't see them making the playoffs, but I see them. I could see them, like giving the Dolphins a run for their money for second mm, in that. Conference. I agree. That's fair. But they have a very my friend. My friends that are Knicks fans are also Jets fans. So I told oh, them, brother. Yeah, I talk to them about this all the time, and they have a good roster. I could if if Zach Wilson, just like with R.J. Barrett, if Zach Wilson takes that next step and keeps developing, they they could be a very good team. I think Zach Wilson has a huge year for the Jets. My team's the Giants, so we're not even going to discuss the Giants because they're just uh, no. the Giants. I feel bad for you guys. I love Saquon. I do too, but, you know, we don't got anything around him. Yeah, that's not his fault. It's a bad team built around him. When, exactly. you're a running back, when you're a running back with no one blocking for you, there's only so much you can do. 
especially when there's no passing threats, really. Everyone knows you're going to run it, so how are you going to run it successfully? They have a lot of depth at receiver now. I'm I'm not sure they have a number one, but they got depth yeah. at least. Now, now they do. The whole time before that with Saquon, they didn't really have a lot. They had nothing. Yeah, so it's like everyone knows ball is going to Saquon. What are you going to do? You're going to force – you're going to force that Saquon can't get anything and you're going to force them to throw the ball. Just to wrap this up, Miles, do you have any last words for our listeners? Uh, no, nah, I mean, I think everything that I said is needed to be said that I needed to say was said at the start. I think we had a good, good conversation with the NFL and NBA, you know, hoping Hoping Kevin Durant and Kyrie stay in Brooklyn. Uh, you know, yeah. Say, so we're good. Thank you, Miles, for your time on this episode. I appreciate it. Got you, bro.